Good morning, precious church family. Well, let me just recap on what we've spoken about so far in this New Year's series, 40 Days of Intimacy with Jesus. If you remember, a few weeks ago, I kicked off the series talking about our need to slow down. I talked about how the world is constantly pummeling us all the time with distractions to divert our gaze from being with Jesus. And I talked about how we needed to take ruthless action in order to eradicate distraction and be intentional about being with Jesus so we become like Jesus. Then he talked about us having a roadmap for our spiritual life and our journey of faith. He said uh, we need to know where we're going. He talked about how spiritual formation and spiritual growth was a long haul journey and that God longs to change the deepest parts of our brokenness in order that we might impact those around us. Then Sarah talked uh, to us about Jesus in the mess of life and in the midst of pain. She talked about waiting on God and trusting him and that God can bring life out of all death, out of all the difficult circumstances, God can work in and through it. Then Phil talked a couple of weeks ago about the church being a human body, that each of us are unique personalities and that using our unique differences are such an important part of our intimacy with Jesus. He talked about us walking into our God-ordained ministry and calling and we would grow into maturity in Christ. And then Johnny asked the question lastly, well, what actually is intimacy. He took us through an epic overview of the scriptures and he showed us how intimacy has always been God's hope and that ultimately all our doing should flow from our being. Now today I want to build on what it means to be with Jesus. The question is how can we be with Jesus? We know he desires intimacy with us. Well, I want to remind us today about spiritual disciplines. Many of the spiritual disciplines or practices, you know we've spoken about before, especially in our 40 days of spiritual rhythm series we did a few years back. But spiritual disciplines are undoubtedly a God-ordained tool to help us identify and look at our brokenness for sure and to grow in likeness uh, of him. But even more than that, on a daily basis, they help us to be with Jesus and stay intimately connected with him. And here's the thing. They're not really things you can teach as much as you can learn. Maybe you're new to faith. Maybe you've not heard about spiritual disciplines. Or maybe just during this pandemic, this lockdown, this distance, you know your being with Jesus' time has kind of gone out the window. Well, look, wherever you're at today, let me recommend a superb book for you so that you can grow in your understanding of spiritual disciplines and maybe re-kickstart them again in your life. The book I want to recommend to you is a book called The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. I know many of you have read it anyway, but maybe it's worth a reread at this time. 
Suffice to say, some of what I'm going to share this morning with you comes directly from this book. See, the reality is we can talk about spiritual disciplines week in and week out, but we really need to explore them for ourselves. These are practices that we actually learn to do predominantly on our own. And the book I've just mentioned to you, and there are many others, are just tools, guides, if you like, towards practicing disciplines in our lives. When I think about spiritual disciplines in the church, I think about a story uh, I heard about. So there's this uh, uh, parade that happens every year. It's a very famous parade that happens in the States. And it happens on New Year's Day every year, and it's called the Tournament of Roses. And basically, all the big American companies, they sponsor floats that are covered in flowers, and then they just slap their logo all over the float. And the the, the, the floats then parade through the streets. Well, back in the 70s, the parade was in full flow, but it came to a sudden stop. And basically, one of the floats had broken down. It was literally gridlock. All the people are frantically trying to get this float moving again, but they can't get the engine to start. Anyway, when they investigate this further, what they realised was that the float had ran out of fuel. And do you know who the sponsor of that float was? Standard Oil Company, basically the biggest fuel provider in the US and arguably around the world. I mean, these are the people that you'd have counted on to have put plenty of fuel in their floats. But these were the people who had neglected to pay attention to the one thing that was advertising, uh, that they were advertising to everyone else. And, you know, sometimes in the church, I think we can be the same way. We, as apprentices of Jesus should be full of the Holy Spirit, intimately connected to him, and that be evident to the world around us. Excuse the analogy, but does everything in your life look rosy from the outside, but inside you know you've run out of fuel? I know for some of us during this pandemic, that's exactly how we feel. We feel we've run out of fuel in the midst of all the disconnection and fear and confusion. We may have forgotten to nurture our spiritual lives. For all of you that are feeling that way, I want to encourage you and I want to try and help you today try and refuel. I think the thing that we often forget is that we are spiritual beings. We're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're actually spiritual beings having a human experience. And because we're spiritual beings having a human experience, sometimes things happen in our lives like a pandemic and we just don't understand But what we do need to understand in all situations of life is that we have this deep need that can only be quenched in one one particular way. Well, what, what am I talking about, you say? Well, think of David in Psalm 42, 
where he says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. See, as apprentices of Jesus, our soul thirsts for the living God. But how do we quench that thirst? Well, spiritual disciplines are found throughout the scriptures. And they're in the scriptures to help us connect to God and for him to quench that deep thirst that we have for him. Uh, We are spiritual beings. Romans 8 says it like this. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. See, when we recognise that we have a real spiritual need, we can look at ways to quench and nurture and cultivate that spiritual need. But before we get into this today, remember Spiritual disciplines are are not things that we do in order to please God. They're all about allowing our souls to truly connect to God on a spiritual level. Now, there are different types of spiritual disciplines. We have outward disciplines. We have corporate disciplines. But for the sake of time and today and focusing on intimacy with Jesus... I'm going to talk today about four of the inward spiritual disciplines. These are predominantly disciplines that actually happen in the secret place, and many of you will know about these. But let me remind you, Jesus talks about these inward spiritual disciplines right off the bat at the Sermon on the Mount. We see in Matthew 6 verse 4, it says, so that your giving may be in secret, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Then on to verse 6, it says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse um, 18 says, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. These are just a few spiritual disciplines. And I know we often don't like the word discipline in our day and age, but the word discipline does imply that it's something that doesn't come natural to us. These are things that we have to practice, we have to work at, and they're things we do when nobody's watching. But remember, as we get into this, the reason we practice spiritual disciplines are to quench that longing in our souls to be more intimately connected to Jesus. The first discipline I'm going to briefly mention today is meditation. Meditation is something I don't think we talk about anywhere near enough in the church. And maybe that's because of the ways in which this term is used in Eastern beliefs. But in scripture, we see different people meditating. Like just before he met Rebecca, we see Isaac meditating in Genesis 24, 63. It says he went out to the field one evening to meditate. We go to the Psalms where we see David in Psalm 63 verse 6 say, On my bed I remember you, I think of you. Other versions say, meditate through the watches of the night. 
These Old Testament heroes were people that spent time in meditation. And not only them, but Jesus meditated. We see in Matthew 14, verse 13, when Jesus has heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place, this sense of solitude in meditation. The question is, what is meditation? Well, meditation is different for different people, but there are common characteristics. As I've mentioned, it's usually done in private or in quiet. I think the number one aim in meditation is to find out who we are and who God is. We can meditate on situations that are are going on in our lives or on creation or God's attributes. Again, not to stew, but to try and understand God in the midst of life. I'll often go to the clifftops and just meditate on the Bible, uh, maybe just on a specific verse. I'll meditate on creation as I look at it and then ponder on the goodness of God and who I am in light of that. His great love for me. And it grounds me and connects me to Jesus in such a personal and sweet way. The second spiritual discipline I want us to look at is fasting. The forgotten discipline in the church. I think fasting is best described as pressing in for direct access to the throne room of God. I know that sounds quite uh, uh, grand, but I've had profound encounters with God and such an ever-growing connection to Jesus that has only happened when I'm fasting. Again, if you're interested in practicing fasting and getting into a lifestyle of fasting, then let me recommend another small book. I've recommended this before, but it's called The Fasting Key. Definitely get into it. It will really help you to understand how to fast and when to fast. Jesus said, actually, in Matthew 4, verses 1 and 2, he says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure he was. So not only did Jesus fast, but he expects us, his disciples, his followers to have a lifestyle of fasting. It's not if we fast, it's when we fast. See, back at the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, 16 and 17, it says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. See, Jesus is not saying, if you fast, dear, is he? He's saying, when you fast. So what is a fast? Well, a biblical fast is no food and just water. And most often, a fast is joined with prayer, i.e. you would usually spend the time that you would spend eating praying. Maybe you'd be praying about something very specific. Lots of people fast to pray pray about specific things. Or maybe it's simply just to pray and to praise him. See, fasting in essence is telling Jesus that he's more important than even our most basic of needs. Fasting reminds us that God is the supplier of all good things and that without him, we cannot do anything. 
And I also think it reminds us that we can do without some things that we always depend on. We sacrifice some things in our lives to have more of Jesus. Fasting is actually such an important part of our apprenticeship to Jesus. If you're not fasting regularly, let me encourage you to explore going on a journey of fasting. It will change your intimacy with Jesus for sure. And maybe it isn't that you start by just fasting food, but maybe you start fasting something else, whether that's television or Netflix or or whatever it might be. The third spiritual discipline I want to remind us of, which might seem blatantly obvious, is prayer. The author Richard Foster says that prayer ushers us into a perpetual communion with the Father. See, Jesus was dedicated to prayer. When Jesus hears about John the Baptist being murdered, he goes off to pray. We read about it in Matthew 14, verse 23. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. Prayer is such an important part of our private, inward, spiritual life. See, Jesus teaches us to pray, to practice this in our own life. And he shows us, doesn't he, in Luke 11 verse 1, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Then Jesus goes on to teach his disciples the Lord's Prayer. Prayer is the most powerful thing we possess in the body of Christ because through prayer, it not only do we commune and connect with God, but it's through prayer that God hears the deepest desires of our hearts and the longings of our soul. I know this church, this Coastline Church family is passionate about prayer. And I believe that as we pray, God opens the door for us for healing and wholeness and opportunity to be used by him and to reach the lost. Look, if you've strayed away from this spiritual discipline, this spiritual discipline of prayer, come back. Make a choice to get alone with Jesus and pour out your heart, pour out your innermost feelings and thoughts with him. I think at this time, in this season of lockdown and this season of suffering in so many ways, we as the church need to up our game. I really believe as well in this coming year ahead, we need to see an outpouring of prayer in our church family like we've never seen before. Because it's in prayer that the Lord is going to pour out healing and the resolve we need to go after the lost, the other side of this pandemic. So I've reminded us about meditation, this practice that introduces us to the inner life of being close and connected to Jesus. I've reminded us about fasting being this constant reminder that God is sovereign over all our needs and how fasting nurtures our inner life and gives us intimacy with him in such a deep, profound way. The last spiritual discipline I want to remind us of is study. And foremost, study of the Bible. 
I wholeheartedly believe that study of the Bible is the antidote to the poison of the world. Studying scripture is how we combat the battlefield of spirituality. The battlefield of spirituality doesn't happen in situations around us. It takes place in our minds. We're in a battle in our mind and the enemy wants to get into our minds and into our thoughts. But knowing the word of God leads us into truth and freedom. Study is not about proving that we are right. Study is about proving that Jesus is worthy and holy and alive in our lives. John 5.39 says this. It says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. See, studying scripture is not about coming up with some dogmatic rules about how we're to live. Study of the scriptures is about learning who Jesus is and what he has done and understanding Holy Spirit power that he is doing what he has promised. We study the scripture not to have eternal life, but to know Jesus. So why does this work? Romans 12 verse 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. We're transformed by the way we think. Solomon said in Proverbs 23 verse 7, he said, For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. That's a New King James Version. We're transformed by what we take into our minds. And study is how we come into a deeper knowledge and a deeper contact with who God is and who Jesus is and who Holy Spirit is and who we are in light of that. It allows us to understand that we are truly spiritual beings. Some of the brief things I found helpful over the years in study are these. The first one is repetition. Learn and memorize scripture. I know there are scriptures that are seared into my mind and heart, but I bring up to the forefront on a daily basis. They're super important to me. And I know for many of you, you have really personal scriptures that you have memorized in order to bring them up when you're feeling that battlefield in your mind. I can't emphasize enough the importance of learning the scriptures. Why don't you try that this week? Even just get one Bible verse and just keep talking it over and over and over in your mind. The second thing that I've found helpful is concentration. Take some time to really concentrate on what's being said and how it's being written, the context. There's loads of other books that are around the Bible, like concordances and study Bibles, that can really help you understand the context of what the scripture is saying. In our staff meeting, we'll often study the Bible together and we ask three questions, and this might really help you. What does it say? What does it mean? And what does it mean to me? 
Maybe bearing some of this in mind will help us as we study the word of God so that truth can penetrate our minds and transform us and mould us into the likeness of Jesus. So as a church family, why not this week? Let's all commit to upping our game in terms of our daily spiritual disciplines. Let's commit to practicing meditation. Let's find a place alone to ponder on the realities of who God is. Can you fast this week? Even if you just start really small, maybe just one meal a day, just commit to that. Or maybe just giving up one specific thing. Maybe it's about just not watching TV or be on the Xbox or Netflix or takeaways or whatever. Let me encourage you to pray this week like you've never prayed before. Pour yourself out before God. Why not attend our weekly prayer meeting hosted by Sarah each week on Zoom, Wednesday mornings, 8 o'clock? Maybe that's a significant change for you. And church, get into the word of God. My prayer is that we would all have a renewed passion for the scriptures And if you're not already a daily studier of the word, why not start this week, even just maybe one chapter, maybe read one chapter this whole week, if that's easy for you. As we look at the spiritual disciplines, remember they're not things that come natural to us. They're things that we have to implement into our daily lives. They're things that we have to set uh, aside time for. They're not necessarily easy for all of us. They are going to require some sacrifice, but the end result is that we're going to be more intimately closer to Jesus. To sum all this up, Jesus speaks to a woman beside a well in John 4. He tells her that he's the Messiah. We're all familiar with this story. He tells this woman that he's the Messiah that they've all been waiting for. And then she asks a really interesting question. She says, where are we going to worship? You people say we should worship in Jerusalem and we say we should worship on this mountain. And Jesus replies, he says, a time, a time coming and now is where neither of these are going to be appropriate. God seeks people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And it's these spiritual disciplines, these inward disciplines that are the beginning of the road to us being spiritual and truthful. The end result is what we read at the end of John 4, 23, where it says, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. See, when it comes to the people that meditate on the reality of the goodness of God, When it comes to the people who fast and are willing to give up things because they're demonstrating Jesus first above all things in their lives. When it comes to people who are willing to pour themselves out in prayer. When it comes to people who are willing to allow the scriptures to transform their minds. When God finds those kinds of people, they're the kind of people he's seeking to be his worshippers. Those are the kind of people that he's seeking to have this unique, spiritual, indescribable, intimate connection with him. It's you and it's me. Amen.